Welcome to the Renewed Mind Podcast, presented by Jameson Smallwood, recorded live at Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. Hello everyone, this is Jameson Smallwood, and I wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for your continued support of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Whenever you have a moment, please visit www.renewedmindpodcast.com and fill out the comments page and tell me what you think about the podcast and think about the topics and what you think about the overall content as I try to continue to improve and produce a better podcast and a better listening experience for all of you guys who are supporting um, the digital ministry. Feel free to sit back and listen, and thank you once again for all of your support. Today's date is October 21st, and we are in Bible study guide number 8. And our topic this morning is Simon wants to buy power. And our Bible background scripture is Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 24. And our printed text this morning can be found in the book of Acts chapter um, 8, verses 9 through 24. Our devotional reading this morning came from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Our aim for change, by the end of the lesson, we will discuss Simon's motivation to receive the Holy Spirit, reflect on any selfish desires for God's power, and create a list of true and sincere motives for following Christ. And our verse to keep in mind, And when Simon saw that the laying on of the apostles' hands, um, that the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. That's Acts chapter 8, verse 18. Amen? Amen. This morning, um, our lesson is an old, familiar lesson, for me at least. Um, this is a lesson that I had taught probably as my second Bible study I ever taught. And that's the uh, yeah, uh, second Bible study I ever taught. And the topic, the topic is one that we're all familiar with. As it is this notion of sincere motives. Amen. Sincere motives. What is it that really drives us in our sincerity? Is it, are we doing things for the right motives? You know, and, you know, and, and, and what I mean by that is when I do something, is it, is my heart in it? Do I really care about what I'm doing? Amen. Um, to get us into this discussion a little bit, let me read the verses for us. Um, this morning we're going to talk about the notion of what changed. What changed when we became Christians? What brought our lives into into a new perspective when we became Christians? Did we experience that? And then we're going to talk about the proof of salvation. And that's where I get to do a little theology and talk about some concepts and notions and ideas that I've been kicking around. But uh, this morning we're going to talk about Simon. So different translations call him Simon the Deceiver, Simon the Sorcerer. But this man Simon who was trying to buy the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 9, King James Version. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Amen. Amen. So this morning I've got us talking about this notion of, I want to start us off talking about this concept of mimicry. Mimic Cree. And it's a biological term. Amen. Anybody can tell me what mimicry is? Mimicry. Amen. Amen. So my, my definition I got here on my paper is 
Mimicry is when one animal looks like another so much to the point that it fools other animals into treating it like the animal it resembles, the copycat. All right? Mimicry is effective when the animal being mimicked is poisonous or considered deadly. All right? Now, let me show you an example. Which one of these snakes is deadly? The coral snake is deadly. My man's got it. It's poisonous. Uh-huh. Now, the scarlet snake, the scarlet king snake, is not deadly. Okay? It look, it makes itself, that's what evolution, evolutionary biologists would say, it has evolved to look like this snake so that when people see this snake, they think that it's the coral snake, the poisonous snake. What's the advantage for the king snake to look like a poisonous snake? Now, the scarlet king snake is, has, has things that mess with it too, predators, right? And if you think that the scarlet king snake is a coral snake, you won't mess with that because the coral snake is very deadly. It's poisonous, okay? So animals that eat, that would want to eat the, would want to eat a snake would see the scarlet king snake and say, I see the same colors and stripings that I would see on the poisonous coral snake. So I'm not going to mess with that snake, okay? Now, that's mimicry. Now, why is this interesting for us as Christians? And especially when we start talking about Simon the sorcerer. And if you go with me back to your scripture, all right, now we're going to break this down here. Okay, verse 13 says in Acts chapter 8, Then Simon himself believed also, okay? And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Meaning he followed after he said he believed Jesus Christ. He followed Philip, the, the man who told, shared the gospel with him. He followed Philip to see, where, to become a disciple, to follow after Philip. But we know, based on how the story ends, that Simon wasn't saved. He had bad motives. Now, the evolutionary biologists say that the scarlet king snake imitates the coral snake so that it has an advantage in being protected by people assuming that it's poisonous. But I would offer to you this morning that, that, that fake Christians might impersonate Christians so that they could do harm in the church, in the kingdom of God. Maybe the, maybe, maybe the coral snake looks like the scarlet king snake, and people think that it's not poisonous, and get confused, pick it up and get bit. Amen. Now, you gotta understand this, this concept of, 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 of faking the, as young folks would say, faking the funk. Amen. Um, counterfeiters, people who make stuff look like something else, they focus on confusing people into thinking objects of no value are objects of value. Okay? People make, people go and buy, you know, fake gold watches. And fake gold chains. And to get people into buying them as if they're what? Real gold. Okay? Um, fool's gold. Right? That's something that, that's a, that's a mineral that looks like gold, but we know it's not gold. Now, what makes fool's gold different from real gold? Exactly. Point in time, it wears down and you'll notice it. Anybody else? What makes fool's gold different than real gold? It burn up. It's not real. It burn up in the fire. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But now what makes fool's gold fool's gold? 
It fools you, okay? But what what on the what on the uh, what the atomic makeup of that mineral, the atoms, how they're arranged inside of that piece of fool's gold is what makes it different than gold. It's made out of different stuff. You see what I'm saying? So in the in your in your mind this morning, as we talk about this this notion of Christians and conversion and what does it mean to be saved, okay, and genuine. The Christian is made up of a different type of thing now once they come into Jesus Christ, knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Fool's gold and gold may look exactly the same if you look at them. But if you get, do a subatomic analysis, look at what that thing is made out of, you'll see the difference. Amen. When you test it, put it in the, in the, in the refiner's fire, you'll see what it's made out of. Amen. Are there any questions about that? Let's look at the scripture. Let's look at some scripture this morning. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 24 through 30. And we're all familiar with this, this scripture. And I'm going to try and shed a new light on it. Not a different light, just a little bit newer light. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed, sowed seeds among the weed and went away. Now, I would take from that one scripture there, that, that verse 25, the people were sleeping when the enemy came. Okay? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples were sleeping when the enemy came. There's something about being alert in your life, aware, conscious, that helps that helps protect you from when the enemy comes. Amen. Amen. You get snuck up on when you're not paying attention to certain things in life. Amen. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, that's verse 26, then weeds also appeared. I'm sorry, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Okay. Now let's talk about that a little bit. We're talking about mimicry this morning. Okay. Mimicry, right? Now, what is mimicking what in this story? You've got two types of things growing. Now, one is mimicking one. What is mimicking? What is what is mimicking what? Yeah, the tares are mimicking the wheat, right? Okay. So the tares look like wheat. Okay. The tares look like wheat. Now, why is it that an enemy would do that to the farmer? Because guess what? You can't tell the wheat and the tares apart readily. It's hard to see the difference. Okay. Now, when it's hard to see the difference between something, you may damage what you don't intend to damage. 
or 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 leave behind something that you want to get rid of because you can't tell the difference, right? Now, let's let's get deep into this, okay? Let's get deeper into this. We're talking about wheat and tares, okay? Verse twenty six: When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Why is Jesus telling his disciples this? And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Okay, why is Jesus telling his disciples this? Why do we think Jesus is telling his disciples this? Think now. Someone took time to write this down for us. Amen. So people grow up next to us in church because Sister Lord's hit on it. Thank you for that, brother. Sister Lord's hit on that, that in the church, you're going to have people who ain't saved. And people who are saved. Now, the, the 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 trick in this is that Jesus is showing us is that they're gonna look alike. Okay, fool's gold, the coral snake and the king snake, they're gonna look similar, but they're gonna have different natures about them. Mm-hmm. D. Oh, I feel you on that. Similar, similar. Amen. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I appreciate that that clarity there, D. Similar, not alike. Alike would be an identical thing. Amen. Similar is that they look they look kind of alike, but they're not the same. Amen. Now, why is Jesus warning us about this? Why is he teaching us about this? Okay. I, let, let, let me let me let me propose this, D. Before you jump in there, we have to ask ourselves as Christians. What changed in our lives when we accepted Jesus Christ? What changed? We're supposed to be born again. Amen. We're born again. Jesus told Nicodemus this when he came to Nic- when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. You must be born again. Now, what changed? Why am I asking this question of us this morning? We see Simon in our, in, our, in our lesson. Simon goes through everything that everybody else went through to get saved. Simon got up. When he gave the invitation, he walks up, shakes Deacon Durham's hand, shakes all the other deacons' hands, stands up here in, the, in front. Pastor Bates walks down wearing his nice robe. He he walks up to me and says, "Brother Smallwood, do you do you love the Lord? I love the Lord. Do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that He's the only way for you to get to heaven and hell? I mean, get to heaven and avoid hell. I believe that with all my heart, Pastor. And then nothing else happens in my life. Nothing else happens. Okay, I'm a tear now, who looks a little bit like wheat. I've done the same thing everybody else has done. I didn't have the air change. Okay? Now, let me ask you, though. When Jesus says we would know a tree by the fruit it bears, okay, he says you would know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Okay? So let me ask you this, then, and kind of kind of getting us to thinking about what Deacon Dermot said. If I'm a tree bearing apples, what kind of tree am I? Can I ever go around and say I'm an orange tree? If you, I could say that, right? Exactly. Now, if a farmer put a label on his tree that said oranges grow here, and all you saw were apples, what would you think about that farmer? He's telling a lie. We can't hide, we can't hide what we are. Some of us think we can. Uh, let us talk about the difference here. What changed? Very, um, my first point here this morning is, 
The Bible is clear that the only thing necessary for a person to be saved is for them to believe, believe the message about Jesus Christ. That's the only thing it takes for you to be saved. You have to believe that message. Now, that is the question, right? What is belief then? Okay? Belief isn't, you know, and, and I gotta give, I gotta give credit where credit is due. Um, Cruffle Dollar said this. Belief isn't just saying what you agree with. That's not enough. You will follow it. You will adhere to it. Your actions change as a result. Okay? If, if we think it's gonna rain, what do we do? We pick up an umbrella. You see what I'm saying? We prepare for it. But if we don't, if we, if we think it's gonna rain, well, it's gonna rain, but you really don't think it's gonna rain, you're not gonna pick up an umbrella. Right? I guess this chair can hold me. Well, do you really think it can hold you? Are you going to sit down in this chair? Okay? And see, this is why we have to ask this question, what changed? Um, Romans 10, verse 17 says, and I'm just reading this out for the edification of the class, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's from the New International Version. We hear it familiar saying, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Salvation is tied to our faith. So the word of God is what saves us. Our belief in it. Okay? So when I ask the question, what changed? Did you truly believe the message? Okay? Now, genuine Christians must be able to trace the roots of their faith back to when they believed and confessed the word of God was true concerning Jesus. If you don't have that as a part of your testimony, see, that's huge. Okay, and I'm talking to the empty chairs more than I'm talking to the chairs that are filled. If you don't have that as, as a part of your testimony, that moment when you read or heard or, or, or came witness to the word of God in your life, and it blew your mind to the point where you said, Jesus, I, I, I don't know all about you. I don't know how this all works. I don't know how salvation plays with all these different things. I don't have the theological depth, but I know for certain, I know for certain and I believe it in my heart that you are the Son of God and that you are my Lord and Savior. If you don't have that as a part of your testimony, then you've got to ask yourself a serious question about your salvation. Because that's where the salvation comes from. Now, let me read out our exposition this morning. And show you what I'm talking about here. Our second exposition this morning, I'm going to read the entire thing for us because it makes the point. Many turned to Christ. The Samaritans had previously believed in Simon because of his magic. They had no faith in Simon. Rather, they, their belief was predicated on his magical abilities. Through the preaching of Philip, the faith of the Samaritans was based on the good news of Jesus, the Christ, and the kingdom of God. That's what saved them. See, let me go here with y'all this morning, get y'all thinking. It doesn't take faith healing. It doesn't take someone preaching somebody out the grave. It doesn't take ornate buildings. It doesn't take a huge, big church. It doesn't take you on TV, televangelizing. It doesn't take thousands of members coming to your congregation. It takes the Word of God. Now, why, is I, why am I beating on this so hard? Tares are planted in the church. Tares, the fake product, is planted in the church when 
People base their relationships with Jesus on things such as family ties, tradition, routine, church's entertainment value, and shallow motives. Let me repeat those. People are tares. You are a tear when you base your relationship with Jesus Christ, your church experience, what you your spiritual life, when you base it on family ties. Well, my family's always going to that church. That's where I go to church at. My mama took me to that church, so that's where I'm going to go to church at. When I get in a, tr- in a trying situation in my life, that church I go to is where my mama raised me up at. That's where I go to. It's not because you love God. It's not because you love Jesus Christ. It's just because you got family ties there. Now, why are these things not sufficient for your belief in Jesus Christ? Because they don't, they're not the word. Okay? If you come to church for anything other than the word of God, then, then you, then, then I, I, I can't call you a tear because then I would be, I would be pretending I'm God. But I want you to think and think hard about your reasons for being, being in church. What you believe. Have you changed? What changed? Okay? Now, another reason tares are planted, when God's word isn't used to convict sinners to repentance. See, there are plenty of churches that are filled this Sunday because people are there to get everything fixed in their life other than their relationship with God. I want to know how to make more money. I want to know how to pray and manifest things in my life. I want to tap into some divine power so I can prosper and live. But at the end of the day, the thing that brings people into understanding who Jesus Christ is is when God's word is preached for repentance. When the All right, now let's talk about this next thing about tares being planted. When emotional experiences are emphasized and confused for the presence of God. Oh, I know I'm by myself on this one. Let me repeat that. Tears, you, you become tears in church. Tears are planned in church when people get high off the emotion and, not, and confuse it with the presence of God. People, people do stuff all the time in church to manifest the, the, the manifest the experience of God. Now, see, let me help you with this. Me, I've studied and practiced and worked hard at, at delivering a Sunday school lesson. I can ride the wave with y'all, raise my voice, hey, man, take y'all back down low, get my voice low. That's not the presence of God. That's oration. And I don't want to ever, you ever to confuse the two. What you feel in your heart when the word of God goes forth, that's the presence of God. Don't get don't get the two confused. Okay? I have fun up here, and I'm trying to do this so that we can we can we can we can till that ground together. But what you feel in your heart, that's what matters. Amen. Well, let me tackle this a little bit and, and, and piggyback what Pastor Bates said. It's not my place to judge, okay? But what I want you to understand is is that Peter made a value assessment. Peter saw what Simon was doing, what Simon asked him for, and Peter made a determination about Simon's spiritual condition. Okay? He said, I see that you're caught up in the gall of bitterness, and you thought because you thought the Holy Spirit was something you can buy. This message, this lesson this morning, isn't about me judging anybody. It's about you judging yourselves. Okay? And this is a message you pass on to everybody else. What changed? Okay, now let me wrap this thing up here 
and get us into the into our last point this morning. Don't turn with me in your Bibles. I'm reading this for the sake of time. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 17. If we are out of our minds, that's in air quotes, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. See, Paul is driven by the love of Christ, the truth of that. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again, that being Jesus Christ. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, flesh, carnal point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, here's the punchline, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You have to change. You have to change. And if you don't have it in your life, that, that moment, that time where I stopped doing it based on what I thought was right, and I began to question what did God say about this? What does God, what does Jesus Christ want me to do? It's not just enough to come to church and just play church. Amen? Because a tree is no matter fruit that it bears. Okay? Now, I got one last little bit here for us, and we may not have enough time, but I'm going to touch on it. So if I'm talking all this stuff about people and, and what they show us when they're not saved, what's the proof of our salvation? What's the proof of our salvation? You love the brotherhood. Amen. You keep his commands. You keep his commands, amen. Now I'm talking about these. I'm gonna talk about these things as far as what, what we can't see visibly. Once Simon's real motives were revealed, the truth of why he followed the disciples became clear. Okay, why did he follow the disciples? So he could get the power that they were manifesting by buying it with money. He pounced. Time he saw it happen. Oh, I gotta go buy this. I want this power for myself so I can be exalted just like these men are gaining recognition and fame. Now, many denominations try to establish the credibility of a new Christian's beliefs. Now, I gotta, let, me, let me break that down. Many denominations try to establish have you changed or not. So they make you go through certain rites of passages to quote unquote prove you changed. Baptists let me slow down. Let me come back. Baptism, I shouldn't say Baptist. Baptism is one of those things that some denominations use. Some denominations teach you that the only way to be saved is to be baptized. Not true. Salvation is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man can brag or boast. That's a work. Baptism is a work. It's a decision I make to get into the water, to get saved. That's not how that works. It's a gift. If anything I do to mess with that, it's no longer a gift. It's my work. And it's not by works. Amen? Okay? Salvation would not be one of the things we boast about. We won't have any role in that. Um, now, some, some denominations teach that the conversion experience you have must look like one of the conversion experiences that took, forth, that took place in the book of Acts. Now, to characterize this, some people teach that, some denominations teach that we have to lay our hands on you, pray over you, that you receive the Holy Spirit and get that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, that's not true. 
Amen. That's not true. Okay. The, but the question, that's my personal, that's my personal theological stance. Okay. That's not true. The difference between, the difference, the difference there is, is that was this something that was temporally, was this an event that was happening in the kingdom of God at the time, or was it a theological, was it a theological precedent that was being set? You see the difference? We had the taste of, we had the taste of Mount Olive yesterday. That was a singular event. We don't do that every Saturday. See what I'm saying? So there's a, that's the question. Is that saying that when people drove by, hey, they have the taste of Mount Olive every Saturday? Or is that just, if you look at it, one time we had it? See what I'm saying? There's a difference. So some people teach that what happened in the book of Acts is indicative of how every Christian is going to be saved, how every Christian's conversion experience is going to be, and that's just not true. Um, the last bit, I talked about proof of salvation. Quickly, I'm going to get out here and let um, Pastor Bates have the remainder of our time. The proof of a Christian salvation is a life, not a day, not an hour, not a minute, not a second, but a life submitted to Jesus' lordship that is enabled by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it by yourself. The submission, ooh, the submission of your life is the new creation that has come. It's the new creation. I, I'm a different biological being in a spiritual sense because I'm a Christian. I eat different stuff. I crave different things. Now, let me, let me touch on this, and I'm going I'm to hush up. Jesus is the word of God. John, John teaches us that, John 1. Now, as it, Jesus also calls himself the bread of life, okay? Guess what you must crave as a newborn again Christian? It's your new staple. See, cows eat grass. I eat steak. It's a completely different thing, right? But I, it's because I'm a different animal. You know what I should crave now? I should crave the word of God. If I don't crave the word of God, I've got to ask myself a serious question about my salvation. What changed? See, enthusiasm for the word isn't something we're just trying to promote so that Pastor Bates can have a full class, so that I can have a full class, so that new members' class is full, but it is the key foundational thing that, that, that testifies to your salvation. And see, the word of God is not something you eat like dessert. It's not something you eat like dessert. It's something that's a staple of your life. That's why he called it bread. It's a staple. It's something I eat with every meal. It's something I have to have every day. I can't live without it. And when I hear Christians say, I don't care about Bible study. I don't care about Sunday school. I don't care about studying my Bible. I have to ask myself, what changed? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I like macaroni and cheese. Let me say this again. It comes back to that, amen. That's a theme. Macaroni and cheese. I love macaroni and cheese. And I've had gourmet macaroni and cheese, and I've had the worst macaroni and cheese I could possibly put in my mouth. Nothing but eggs and, and noodles with a little cheese on top. Horrible. Horrible macaroni and cheese. But you know what? When they served macaroni and cheese, I was there to eat it because I love macaroni and cheese. Amen? Whether it's good teaching, good preaching, 
or the most dry, milk toast sermon you've ever heard. If it's the Word of God and I love the Word of God, I'm going to eat the Word of God. I want to be there to hear it. One last quick thing here. Ephesians 1, verse 13 through 14. Proof of salvation. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Now look at that. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who God's who are God's possession to praise uh, to the praise of His glory, the Holy Spirit is what locks us into salvation. It's a guarantee that on the day of judgment we won't be standing in judgment; we'll be saved. Amen. All right, I've, I've gone way over time, but if there are no more questions and no more comments, I want to yield the floor because we are well over time. But Pray for, prayerfully meditate on those things. Amen. Father God. Oh, let me pray real quick. Sorry. <laughs> Father God, thank you for this lesson. God, thank you for this time. Thank you, God, for the new faces and, and, and the interesting conversations. God, we just pray that, that this message of what changed dwells on our hearts. God, we have to ask ourselves that question in our walk, in our life. It's not for anyone to judge, but God, we know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And, and God, we have to ask ourselves, if we're bearing good fruit or the fruit that we claim that we're bearing. These things I pray, God, and ask you humbly in your son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to another installment of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Be sure to listen again as we endeavor to renew our minds.